0: Welcome to Stock in Development, the podcast where two media strategy nerds dissect what's developing in the world of entertainment. I'm one of your co hosts, Eitan, and joined as always by Carl. Good afternoon, Carl. Evening, Carl.
1: Good afternoon, evening to you too, Eitan. We're back in the same time zone. <laughs> I know. It's going to be uh,
0: two, two weeks back home in Mexico. I'm currently recording from Ariela's
1: childhood bedroom. I was going to ask whose who's room that was. There's a chair and some photos and a lot of stuffed animals. Looks like a childhood bedroom. I'm also in, Was well, that really my childhood bedroom because I was never here because my parents moved here when I was in college, but it has the stuff from my childhood bedroom in it. Because
0: mm-hmm. I don't know if we told the listeners that, in in my trips, I drove past, is it Orange, Texas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, through Orange, Texas. And I think we took a picture of like the water um, tower to send to you, and I don't think I sent it. I don't think did you I? did. You told me you would oh, through it. Oh, damn it. it. Damn, damn it. Well, now now I'm going to send it. This is a reminder okay. for me to send it to you.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I spent most of my childhood, is Orange, Texas, and then I moved to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, where I currently am, but my parents moved to houses at some point. So, yeah, it's it's very odd with this bookshelf because it's it's a tiny bookshelf behind me and there used to be, it used to be like double walls of books because half of these were my books that I left here when I went to business school. So I recently went through and mm. cleaned all of them out, which is fine, except my bookcase now looks very sparse. And <laughs> I think the the one prominent thing you can also see that I've tried to hide is like the, the classic colors of the Harry Potter books. So it, it's like, wow, I look completely uneducated on job interviews now. Wow.
0: I can see Borgs. I can see Wally, the cleaning robot from Wally that I helped you win mm-hmm. in DCA, kind of uh, cheating the system. But uh, you're welcome. What else can I see there?
1: For the record, I hide the uh, the, the other things during my calls. But yes, there is a port. Okay. I can see there are two ports. Of- you can't see the other port, but there are two up there. Actually, you can see both. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been. bookshelves with carl and etan our our new (laughs) patreon tier podcast if you like this i would gladly let you pay me five dollars a month to read things off my bookshelf
0: i feel like that should be the name of this episode because this i mean (laughs) this week we usually like there is one team that takes over or one thing that we really want to explore in detail but this week was kind of i think carl you had like three small things that you saw that you found interesting and i, mm-hmm. I, and I saw a co- three other things that i found interesting so i think it's going to be even more conversational like just shoot some things i might not know even what you're going to share so yeah. uh, you'll hear us react live and it should be interesting just imagine carl and i are having dinner you know a year a year and a half ago before starting the podcast this is usually what we would talk about anyway so not really that different from that
1: exactly usually we about half of our episodes we plan out the theme in advance to do some research and to you know watch something or just be well read on it and the other half of the episode's more of a what happened this week that we can talk about that's interesting that we haven't really talked about before and mm-hmm. this is kind of a the most extreme example of that where it's like eh, just a lot of things we want to talk about yeah it should be fun I think and think
0: so. uh, just to start with it's uh, oscars week the Oscars are uh, on Sunday. The latest they've been in, I guess, forever because of COVID. They got pushed back. We had our um, nomination breakdown with Kevin a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that to that podcast, that, that should be a good one. But uh, what have you learned? What What are you looking forward to? Has any, anything changed in your mind since we talked that, that time?
1: To be completely honest, I have not caught up with any of the Best Picture nominees that I haven't seen yet. I still haven't seen... Nomadland, Judas and the Black Messiah, and The Father. I haven't seen anything new either. It's been a weird couple of weeks. (laughs) It's been a weird couple of weeks. Uh, Apparently, The Father's great. Kevin has confirmed that it's great, but so have other people. It's a real movie that exists and is great. So, yep. There's that. But at the same time, (laughs) I haven't really been in the mood to watch either or any of those three movies. Because they all seem like different degrees of bummer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I think that's what's happened to me. That we've we. I feel like Ariel and I haven't had like two hours that we can dedicate to some, like just staying home. Mm-hmm. The, the last like three weeks or four weeks on of our road trip have been like one week stops. Which usually mean a lot of... Oh, it's six o'clock. Let's get out of the house to see something before it gets dark. And then we come back at eight and we continue working or something like that. But, uh, you know. And also... Like the last movie that I've seen was Godzilla. I rewatched it now that it's in mm-hmm. HBO Max, but I watched it in like twenty-minute increments over yeah. three days, and I didn't want to do that with like Nomadland. So, yeah, precisely.
1: I yeah, I want to give it focus. I this weekend I went and saw my first post-vaccine movie in a theater, and I toyed with a few different options, but ultimately went and saw The Mummy, and that was a fun time. Great choice. Yeah. So
0: you've never watched it before?
1: I'd never seen The Mummy
0: okay thoughts because this is one for me that it's similar to uh you know what i, w- I watched when i was a kid and it was like the perfect mix no. of i'm a kid so i don't want to get scared but it's kind of comedy you know it's pre- pretty strong comedy but it's fun and it's kind of indiana jonesy yeah. and what do you think i'm curious as an adult that gets exposed to
1: brendan Fraser. <sighs> well, i mean okay i'd heard the effects were bad which i didn't hate the effects i thought they were like very artful for the limitations of the time a ton of practical stuff on top of textureless cg which hasn't aged well but mm-hmm. it's also aged as textureless cg so it's kind of its own aesthetic at this point so the effects didn't bother me uh brendan Fraser's obviously super hot in it and great and his hair is magnificent rachel vice is is rocking some very thin late 90s eyebrows which thought that was a weird style choice then apparently the mummy returns. she regrows her eyebrows (laughs) the things you pay attention to okay everyone (laughs) just talks about how this is like a sexual awakening movie for them so I had to I went in with that mindset and it was like yeah I get it for Brendan and kind of for Rachel but Rachel's okay the favorite with Rachel Vice. that's a a great pick for that if you have to choose it but anyway the entire time I kind of just wanted to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark the entire time I was watching it But it did hold my attention, and it was funny and goofy. So as far as a $5 movie where the masking was off on the projection and they forgot to turn the lights off for half the movie, it's a perfect return to theater experience.
0: Good. Perfect. (laughs) I'm glad you watched it. That's that's a good one. It's something that I enjoy. The other thing I was going to say, I know we're tangentially... We're leaving the Oscars, but the thing that I saw, I flew to Mexico, and I watched... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Tenet was on the on one of the options and I texted Carl and Kevin to be like hey should I do this now or should Uh I just wait till it comes to HBO Max they quickly replied wait for a TV I was like fine so then I decided to go in two very different directions I finally watched Sonic the Hedgehog because come on it's honestly probably the only way that I was going to watch it
1: it's fun I watched it on a plane too
0: (laughs) spectacular I watched what now I think is one of my favorite movies of all time in Moneyball Oh, yeah. It's just fantastic. It's you so good. Like, the, the score, I had completely forgotten. No, I have. I have, okay. and I loved it, and I knew I loved it. But, like, I forget about how good Brad Pitt is in it. I forget how great the yeah. score is. I didn't I didn't remember. And, you know, we, you and I, you know, we're famous, pure important people in the world. We met Billy Bean in one of our classes. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing pictures of him and being like, Brad Pitt doesn't look like him. And he doesn't really look like him. But he has some mannerism that from just seeing Billy Bean for two hours, I think he's perfect. He's so good in it. And I I don't know. I just... For anyone that hasn't watched Moneyball, it's not your typical sports movie. But it's just great. So, highly recommend.
1: Highly recommend. Also, highly recommend the book and any of Michael Mm -hmm. Lewis's books. Yes. Flash Boys, great book. Changed my... I mean a lot of his books have radically changed my perspective of the financial markets great and really fun to read weirdly yeah
0: that's that's the biggest thing right yeah that makes sense
1: i i did want to say on on the oscars points i am rewatching two best picture nominees in a theater this weekend because alex and i are mm-hmm. since we're both freshly vaccinated and have wedding planning stuff to do we're going to dallas to get our marriage license which is very exciting mm-hmm. so we will be officially we officially have the piece of paper that lets us get married in the state of Texas within 36 hours after getting it but we're not getting married, getting married till next for two months and we are So wait, did you just say in the podcast that they're going to break the law? No, no, no. I got confused. Sorry. Sorry, no. That was I don't know why I gave that much information here, but <laughs> you have to you have to wait 36 hours after getting your marriage license to get married. But we're not going to be in oh. Dallas for 36 hours before we get married, so we were just like, "Let's get it while we're doing some other errands." But you need
0: Dallas. to get married within the 36 hours, or you need to wait at least 36 hours.
1: You have, you have, you have to wait 36 hours, and you have three months to get married. Okay, perfect. So you're not breaking the law. Spectacular. I was going to be very comfortable not breaking this part. Law. Fantastic! I will never admit to breaking. We not the a, on this <laughs> we're not a podcast. We're not a law-breaking
0: podcast. Just for yes. <laughs> we are. We are for gonna... anyone listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am going. We our favorite theater is the Texas Theater in Dallas. Amazing art house, and we're seeing three movies there next weekend because we want to and we have time. So, what are seen. you watching?
0: Yeah, what are you watching?
1: Promising Young Woman and another round. Two of our favorites from last year are both playing back to back. And then the Peter Bogdanovich movie, The Last Picture Show, early 70s. We're going to see that in the theater. Weirdly, I watched that for the first time like six months ago. It's it's good. It's interesting. I'd like to see it again. Alex hasn't seen it and wants to see it. So yeah, here we are. Cool. But that's all to say, I still will not have caught up with the Last Picture nominees <laughs> because I will be doing that instead.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that I've thought about the Oscars for the past couple of weeks is that Wolf Workers should really win. That's it. I've said it over and over again. It's gonna be a surprise. And Come on. I'm gonna I'm gonna going wheel over, it into, into existence. Solve. I know. But <laughs> I'm still trying. Don't take the is my hope away.
1: Onward's not nominated, is it?
0: I think so, no. Because they were there was no Disney movie this year.
1: Yeah, but the crude's the new age is nominated, right? <laughs>
0: So the nominations are. Uh, we'll do this live. Yeah, unworth, unworth over um, over the moon. Ashon, the sheep movie, soul, and wolf workers.
1: Ah yes, sean the Sheep. Farmageddon is the one that I always forget too. Interesting. Okay, apparently, crudes to The New Age is actually pretty good. Alex saw it and liked it, so I'm probably not gonna see no, it. But- not nominated wasn't didn't make the cut. Yeah, the,
0: the, I think the other piece of news from the Oscars, uh, I don't know if this was one of the things you saw this week. That apparently there some information came out about the broadcast, and they're asking people to wear masks if they are not on TV, but if the camera pan pans, they can take it off. And I, I don't remember. Maybe this is just listener go look for this story because apparently there was something weird about it. I know, very insightful.
1: Yeah, I guess we do get a new Steven Soderbergh film this this weekend, so maybe I'll just watch the telecast and not...
0: Yeah. Oh, that's another story that's funny. Talking about Steven Soderbergh, I was to- talking with my mother earlier when we saw her for the first time, and we started talking about movies and they're catching up on the Oscars, and then I told her about Let Them All Talk, mm-hmm. and she had never heard of it, and the more I explained it, she was like, this is like <laughs> my type of movie. Why the hell did I not hear about this? I'm like, yeah, that's interesting, because... It's HBO Max in the US. Mm-hmm. Who knows what happened internationally? COVID, and she's like, "What? Myrtle Strip in a boat, talking? <laughs> you know, not CGI. Like this is what I want." So, yeah, she was very excited about it.
1: Well, hopefully, she gets to see it.
0: She loved. She loved uh, Nomadland. Mm.
1: Cool. Good. Really liked it. Yeah. Well, your mom seems to have a good taste.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I think the the other thing we had here that we both saw about different things was following up on our topic from last week with Sony and their deal with Netflix. Uh, you want to keep well? I guess the the first thing I should start with mine was um, Julia Alexander now in IGN. She kind of yeah, it was a mini scoop of kind of the decision making progress within Stars, which was the streaming service that had the rights um, for Sony. To basically, well, I guess not give them up, but maybe not fight as much for them. And why did they decide to do that? And it's interesting. Apparently, there are a couple of things. One of them, when you read the headline, is like, oh, they valued a deal with Lionsgate. You know, with like the John Wick movies and a couple of other movies more than they valued Sony. And then you keep reading and stars is owned by Lionsgate. I thought that was... So what does that... So what does that even mean if <laughs> it's theirs? Why do they <laughs> That
1: was one. I thought that what was really waiting? weird reporting by her. Like, I got confused, it, yeah. It made it confusing and it also, I mean, it kind of makes the whole article whatever because it's like, okay, so you're telling me the company owned by a parent company purchased a parent's company, parent company's content over partner content okay that is not a scoop it she she did get like internal confirmation of that but it's not really a scoop it's pretty obvious. oh yeah and i guess the
0: the, yeah the other side of it to that point is like yes they chose to buy the parents company but at the same time like they had already bought the ones from sony right at one moment did this become a an either or right decision which was interesting Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I mentioned here is that uh, it also comes down to Stars has this commitment called take the lead, quote-unquote, which they want to focus on stories told by women as well as other underrepresented audiences. And internally, it sounded like this actually allowed them to focus a little more on that and make it a very value proposition for their viewers, which I can see. Again, I think when you're a smaller player like Stars, you don't have to think like the big guys, you can do it differently. There is a reason. I think they have, how many subscribers? I have it here. They have almost 15 million, which is nothing to yawn at. I don't know if that's the saying in English, but it is in Spanish. Um, Which is pretty decent, you know, for what they need and what they want to do. And like they don't want to fight with Disney and Netflix and HBO Max. So, the power to them
1: yeah i i I mean that's a very optimistic read of it i i think that (laughs) i think that that's just very optimistic damage control on their part of saying but we're doing something different and we're investing in different content and don't worry we're still gonna have john wick and apparently eli roth has a borderlands film which i knew the borderlands film was a thing with cape Blanchett in it but i had no idea that eli roth was directing it so that's interesting yeah
0: Yeah, in my mind, this would be one of those that if it becomes Avoth, I would definitely have. Yeah. I love John Wick, and that seems fine. But again, I think, yeah, when you think differently for your content, you should also probably think differently in your go-to-market. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with stars.
1: I will hold out for the themed experience at Times Square. (laughs) Peter's Bakery. Peter's Bakery, the John Wick coaster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i feel like we need to just like research everything we can about this thing that didn't happen you
0: know now every time there was i also, see a bakery i think of Peter's bakery
1: they were also apparently thinking about building just a district 12 in virginia somewhere or like in the App- Appalachians, which sounds offensive An awful, <laughs> and yeah, awful yeah. like oh, just oh, like oh, sad oh. williamsburg or something i don't know it's just weird <laughs>
0: it's like the the disney world's america what was the name of their the theme park that they wanted to do there oh
1: disney's america
0: yeah i
1: yeah sounds better than district 12 i think it was on podcast the ride the other day they somebody asked can you imagine how a like accidentally offensive or misguided so many of the rides in a Disney america themed disney theme park from the 90s would be in 2021 can you imagine i mean we're going to talk a little
0: more about disney later and some of the changes that they've made but in retrospect pretty great decision to not do it (laughs) pretty good it worked out for the best
1: i guess yeah so before we move out of sony did want to talk about an interesting just tidbit this is this is more just a really random thing I read about today. So this goes with what we were talking about last week with Sony and having a lot of IP, which Aton really wisely pointed out that they are also like a gaming studio and there's a huge amount of blockbuster IP within their their game studios. So something that's interesting from the opposite side is... Apparently, Sony is struggling internally with how to manage developing big IP and redeveloping big IP versus small, creative new games.
0: And I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like if you're a person that sits in the... I mean, I don't know how they're organized. (laughs) These are things we only know about, like Disney and Time Warner. But if you sit there and you think of this Uncharted movie or... Um, The Last of Us maybe not that much because they're doing it for HBO but you know you made the decision to greenlit some of these movies not only based on what they could do theatrically but also what could happen later and while the deal is for like one billion Mm dollars and maybe this is kind of the right thing to do it's again one of those things where organizational structure and incentives and decision making making really muddies the water and people can internally can be like what the hell right you you change things based on and now the decisions that we made based on a different world you know at the same time adapt or die and this year has been the epitome of that like Mm -hmm. we need to try new things we need to figure these things out and if uh you know everything at the end of the day boils down to like can i make more money if i have this internally or if i share it externally do i make more money if i sell it on its own or if i bundle it and Sonic got to the decision that it actually made sense. So,
1: yeah. And I, I think from the, the game development perspective, it, it's interesting because it's just a mirror of the, the problem that we're facing in blockbuster film or just films is that more and more it's harder to justify going after making a $10 million movie that returns $50 million, when you could make a $200 million movie that spawns various multimedia and gets you a billion dollars at the box office and blah 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 same thing here like a lot of the this article is a bloomberg article about uh kind of tensions between naughty dog which is the studio that makes the last of us which is owned by sony and smaller studios within sony and how consistently sony has pulled teams off of small indie projects or canceled them from other studios within sony and Essentially, reassign them to work on The Last of Us or even just like a remake of The First Last of Us, uh, just for to show off the PS5 case capability. So it's really interesting that they are kind of unique amongst all the studios right now, where they have a strong interactive game studio mm-hmm. component to their business, and that's what's kind of feeding the. The back and forth between their different business units is IP across different mediums, as opposed to a Disney or a Warner, where they don't really have interactive interest. They have pretty lame inter- interactive interest that they do, and mm-hmm. that's kind of second. They're not generating really good new IP out of their interactive teams.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's the the biggest point in in my mind that makes it interesting that for Disney and Time Warner is the opposite, right? The creativity from, from studios, and then they build gaming based on that. I mean, Disney closed off their own gaming. Now they license everything, so like Star Wars and whatever. But Sony, yeah, is unique because the true creativity and the the true kind of new storytelling comes from this different medium, where decisions are made, different stories are told, different, and it's also interesting to see because like there hasn't really. What would you say has been the most successful movie or TV show based on game? a game? Would you say Tom, Tom Raider? The, the Witcher it, in Netflix?
1: I mean, if I had Box Office Mojo still, I could just look up the highest <laughs> grossing video game movies list and it would be easy. So let me see if the numbers has this so I can actually just get the answers.
0: I think, um, yeah, I, I, I have to make a point that you, you can rant about Box Office Mojo every week. We'll find a way. <laughs>
1: I mean, it might be, it might be Sonic the Hedgehog now. Sonic did well last year, right? But huh. like
0: Mario was bad, Mortal Kombat has been bad.
1: Uh... Okay, when you when you say successful, are you talking about critically successful, commercially successful, or both? Let's say either. No, let's say let's say
0: let's say it 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 has to have commercially successful because in my mind, if I put myself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. The way I make decisions to green light more movies about game gaming is if they're commercially successful, not critically successful. Which that means that maybe Warcraft was actually a success, which kind of makes me sad. But yeah, what are you saying? Is Warcraft number Warcraft, one?
1: Warcraft's number one. Ugh, okay. But fine. I, okay. I,
0: I fell into my own <laughs> pit hole or whatever.
1: Not quite, though. So, Warcraft's number one. W- sorry lost my airpod for a second Warpo- warpod <laughs> warpod <laughs> warpods is number 1 okay warcraft is number 1 worldwide box office 440 million dollars guess how much of that was which is nothing guess oh, how much I'm of that saying. was domestic oh yeah i remember 12 50 but yeah 47 million. Same, 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 same. So that's the thing is like, this is a huge, actually most of these, the international box office is what's carrying them a lot more. So I'd say of the top 10, so top 10 real quick, Warcraft, Detective Pikachu, Rampage, the Angry Birds movie, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, Resident Evil, the final chapter, Battleship, Mm, Sonic the Hedgehog, Resident Evil Afterlife, and Tomb Raider. Or, sorry, Tomb okay. Raider, the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider, not the nope. Jolie Tomb Raider. Angelina Jolie. Okay, I, I, I think in my mind from that list,
0: I would consider Resident Evil kind of the most successful in my successful mind, whatever it means. You know, it spawned um, a franchise, and people were into it, yeah. and it it was kind of a something. It had a moment. Like, Rampage? Who knew the hell is that? Battleship was awful. I mean, even if it made money, it's so bad. It made money because people didn't know what they were going to watch.
1: And then once they were in, they were like, And they couldn't get their money back. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's terrible. I, Battleship is why... Do you know the story behind Battleship? And why Battleship exists in the format it exi- Like, as a movie? No. Please tell. So, Mattel made a deal with... Okay, who was it that made Battleship? Which studio was this? I think it was... Was it Sony? I'm going to
0: say Columbia.
1: It was Universal. Oh, okay. Columbia, yeah, Sony-Columbia was my guess. It seems like a big Columbia move. So Universal and Mattel made a deal. Or Hasbro. Well, it's all it's all owned by everyone anyway. Hasbro and Mattel are like the same. Okay, sorry. This is the t- most terrible...
0: That's fine. This is a conversation. Okay, if you were sorry. having dinner, yeah. you would be Googling this. This is fine.
1: I, I said Mattel. Hasbro and Mattel are the same company. It's whatever. <laughs> so Hasbro Mattel had a deal with Universal where they would spend X million dollars on developing film projects for the Hasbro Mattel brand. This came out of the success with Transformers because obviously if kids love Transformers, they're going to love movies based off of other products that Hasbro and Mattel make, like Battleship, the board game. That's
0: uh, that's the other thing I was going to say. It's not a video game, even. What list did you find? It's a board game.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. It's based on games. So that's okay, a good point. Uh, okay. But if we take this even further, what happened was there were other projects in development. All of them fell through and none of them get got greenlit. But Hasbro and Mattel had a provision in their contract saying that they there was like a certain level payout like a billion dollar payout or something where if there wasn't a a budget spend of the appropriate amount in the contract then hasbro mattel would get the payout so battleship was originally just some like small scale movie and then they turned around and told Peter Berg, "You have to put like two hundred million dollars worth of special effects to inflate the budget of this film, so we don't have to pay Hasbro Mattel oh a God. penalty fee."
0: <laughs> Incredible! Oh I love Hollywood. That
1: makes—I mean—that makes a lot of sense. So Honestly. that makes that makes a lot more sense. Why, like, you've got Liam Neeson, Rihanna, and a bunch of aliens in this movie?
0: <laughs> a bunch of randos. Yeah. I—I I I mean, I think it goes. It just goes to show how it it seems it seemed it's eh. it seems like it's a cursed genre yeah. or even if not a genre it's just you know it just doesn't work and uncharted was one that I've been excited for a long time and now it's been in development hell it's been stuck in development for like seven years I think it's been through like 10 directors something ridiculous and now you supposedly start finally filming but we talked about how they chose Tom Holland and it's like
1: yeah maybe it'll stay in disgusting casting. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Terrible casting. I, I will say, Detective Pikachu is quite good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I agree. I, but it, and
0: I was going to say, like, Pokemon, incredibly successful TV, based on the, right? It's, um... Yeah. The... Yeah, I enjoyed Detective I was just thinking about that last week. I don't know why. And how I... It was fun. I mean, I remember watching the original ones that I don't remember if they come, yeah. came out in the movies in Mexico and crying... Or like Pikachu kind of... Well, Ash dies and Pikachu does something. And there's also Mew and Mewtwo. Anyway, we digress.
1: I I have seen those at a slumber party at some point. I was not a Pokemon kid though, so I can't remember. I did Before we move on from this topic, did want to point out my favorite movie on this list of worldwide box office based on games. And it's Ouija. So I guess the horror movie Ouija is mm. technically based off of the concept of a Ouija board. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, and also probably the one with the best return
0: on investment, based on how much. <laughs> yeah, it I don't think made. they had the what license. Was the budget of, what was the what was the the budget of the Ouija? Probably nothing.
1: Probably pretty good. Isn't it
0: kind? you of, think it's similar to the Blair Witch Project? I think it's a kind of a similar story. Maybe not as crazy as the Blair Witch Project, but.
1: Okay, Maybe so I'm just confusing them. Ouija. It made 103 worldwide,
0: and okay, if it cost less than 20, it could still hold.
1: It might have not cost less than 20. I hate the numbers. I cannot see the budget. Okay, give me a second. Okay, so it made 104 million off of a five to eight million dollar budget. Pretty Higher good. budget than I expected, but twenty
0: X, it's better than Endgame, it's better than Star Wars,
1: pretty good, pretty good.
0: You'll take a, you'll take a twenty X, okay, okay, that makes sense. Anything else on games that you have? <laughs> I don't think so. That's it. Okay, fun.
1: <laughs> so, speaking of games, would you like to move to sports?
0: <laughs> yes, I guess soccer. It's a game, so you know this is not a sports podcast. At least half of us is not a sports podcast, even though Carl is into sports. But there, w- there w- there's there's been some crazy news for the past two days that I think is worth talking about, and especially because I think it it has like very similar uh, like metaphors and nah. relationships to ideas that we could apply to the entertainment industry. But basically, a little bit of context: so European soccer best soccer in the world spanish league uk league the premier league bundesliga and germany italian best leagues in the world and then their top teams like uh, soccer is a little bit different than the sports in the u.s because they are it's incredibly top heavy like the top 10 teams of those leagues combined are like the best and have been the best clubs in the, or in the world for the past, you know, whatever, century. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, Chelsea, Juventus, Milan, um, even Bayern Munich. Uh, you know, like these, even, you know, you've, Carl, you've heard these names even, right? At that yes, level. Yes, I have. And it's been incredibly top-heavy because, uh, first of all, there is no cap like they have here in the US. So they can spend... However, money they have because they're the most popular teams. They have more money, they can spend more money in players, which then they make them the, you know, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. And over the past couple of years, something that's happened is that it's reached kind of a, maybe a tipping point, but there is this other league called the Champions League. Have you heard of the Champions League?
1: I have. I know very little or about less? it. So but okay, I've heard. Perfect. Of it. I'll say. So let me, let me see if I got this straight. The Champions League is... It's like every year they decide who's going to be in the league based on how the teams have done individually in their own countries and they yes. all compete together, but it changes every year who competes?
0: Yes, yes. Okay. So uh, take this approach again. Um, these are the best leagues in the world, including other European leagues. And they basically said, every year we're going to do this tournament that is going to happen during the, the midweek So each country plays during the weekend, and we're going to have this tournament that is midweek, where the best teams of each league are going to play each other. We're going to have, like, a tournament. And this league is basically the best league of soccer in the world throughout the year. Like, I follow kind of soccer. The only league that I follow is the Champions League, because it's a place where you can see Real Madrid play against Milan or Bayern Munich play against Manchester United, or Ajax play against whatever. So this is the place that you actually get to see kind of the top players play each other, which is great. Now, soccer has a ton of complexity that we learn about in our sports class, because it has like different governing bodies. So the governing body of European soccer is called UEFA, and the governing body of soccer in the world is called FIFA. And these are bodies that are very well known for a ton of corruption. Like, ridiculous amount of corruption. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a World Cup in Qatar. And, uh, you know, there is there is a joke which is like, when you can give a World Cup to a country that is the size of, like, Manhattan, that has absolutely zero soccer culture or history, and where the weather in the summer is, like, 45 degrees Celsius, like, you have to do it, right? Makes all the sense in the world. But anyway. <laughs> these, these very high-profile teams actually kind of control soccer right whatever they do fans follow and yesterday 12 of these top teams got together and said we want to start our own league and they called it very humbly the super league and they basically said there's going to be 15 of us that we're going to have a spot every year no matter what the 15 of us are going to be there every year and then we're going to invite another five clubs To join us based on how they do. They didn't say how. But basically, (laughs) it's like if Disney and Time Warner and Paramount said, Okay, the Academy is terrible. We're just going to create our awards. And we're going to create a different thing. And we're not going to care about all of this stuff that exists. But at the same time, Academy, we still want to be a part of it. Right? And then... Sorry, I've talked for a long
1: time. React. Well, I was just going to say... That metaphor holds until you realize that, w- that would be like that metaphor works if the Oscars was actually a profitable <laughs> big moneymaker of an event like these broadcasts are and these matches are.
0: Right. Or even it could be like uh, there might not be something as specific, but even if these studios said we're going to create our own theater chain, And we're not going to care about anyone else. And because they're so (laughs) top-heavy, they're kind of poo-pooing on everyone else. Mm -hmm. And basically what's happening is that they they are betting on we can get the best TV deal by far than anyone else can. And not only that, that means they're also going to get a crap ton of more money than everyone else. And they're just going to become ridiculously better, which they already are. Needless to say, UEFA and FIFA are pissed. To the level that they say that if the teams join this league, they are not going to be able to participate in their leagues and that the players are not going to get invited to the World Cup. Which, again, for the US, World (laughs) Cup is the biggest sporting event in the world. Like, the Super Bowl, nobody... I think the Super Bowl is seen by, like, 300 million people in the world. The World Cup is watched by, like, 1.5 billion or something ridiculous. And, you know, part of the world is like, well, that doesn't matter. The the players are not going to... Like, they're going to get paid maybe five times more. Yeah. And it, it was just interesting to see how they're trying to fight the system. And they're, you know, they're saying, oh, it's because of COVID. We lost so much money. And this is the only way we can survive. But it's just uh, a typical, I, I thought something that you would enjoy of just basically rich people being assholes and being like, we're going to take more of ourselves because we already abuse the system. Mm-hmm. To become significantly better and more important than everyone else. Now we're gonna take that importance that we got from all of you, and we're yeah. gonna crush you, which is just bananas.
1: I, ju- I find it so funny that UEFA and FIFA are trying to threaten them with like censure and you you can't be part of this because it's like it's like saying that the the World Series isn't going to allow the Yankees, Cubs, Sox, or sorry Red Sox, Cardinals. Perfect and braves not to compete every year it's like all those people would just all the fans would just walk and watch the other thing that's so stupid that's such an empty threat and even even more so in europe
0: (laughs) yeah they're saying they're staying in their leagues yeah but it's like but then people like me that can only watch something and i think that's the point right where you would ask me i'm like you know we've talked about innovation is good look for new things of selling your product and if you ask me what is the thing that you would be more likely to watch? It would absolutely be the Super League. Right? That you could make that point. But then you're destroying everything else. I don't know if it's worth it.
1: Learning about sports and the business behind sports is just to show me how not sportsmanlike that whole business is. It really is just a bunch of billionaires who... Want to show off their power or wealth by using these people as proxies? I don't know. It, it's it's very it's a very weird thing. And the only reason leagues and conferences and everything actually really exists in the twenty late twentieth century is for media rights. Like that's the the real different the real thing here is everyone's banded together so that they can sell the rights to their matches and sell it on a kind of equal. Playing field. That's something in the United States people have tried to disrupt. I I know, like the University of Texas tried to do a Longhorn channel a few years ago, just for Mm -hmm. people that want to watch Longhorns all the time. It hasn't really taken off, but I imagine as I mean, what what's stopping the Super League from standing up their own D to C service? Nothing. That's probably the turn right end go and
0: that's the whole point. Which which they're saying this would be different from anything else because it would be this. 15 teams running it, yeah. There is no overarching whatever deciding anything else. It would just be them. And
1: I mean, yeah, after- it's like if
0: in the end. And I think the NCAA is a good example. It's like if the SEC, right, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, all of these great schools, just say, "Hey, we're leaving the NCAA. You don't give us anything. We control most of the money." And then NCAA could be like, "Well, then we're gonna kick you out of every single sports." And they could be like, "Fine." like we don't care yeah exactly and it the might ICC get there at care. some point yeah well I mean, they, they, they're they, so powerful that they could do it
1: they were talking about that with california a few years ago when it was up it was being debated whether or not athletes oh, should yeah. be able to control their likenesses and and make money off of their their likenesses and their image. athleticism like and, and image i think it's the thing. yeah, yeah. And the NCAA was threatening not to allow California schools to compete. It's like that's so stupid. Also, pay athletes, let them make money. It's ridiculous. Sorry, that's my yeah. my screed there. We can do an episode about that too. But it disgusts me that athletes are not allowed oh, to control disgusting. their image or, or get sponsors. That's especially that's... when
0: they create so many millions and billions of dollars in value,
1: and especially when so many athletes in these in these college programs are from underprivileged backgrounds or minority backgrounds that are exploited and that are not given tools to succeed after they've been professional athletes or after they don't even make the league. It's right. That's the thing. Disgusting. Most athletes
0: don't make anything later. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And even if you're like a swimmer, like there is one in how many, like Kathy Ledeckis. I
1: mean, and that's why Stanford, she stops right? stops swimming for yeah, Stanford. She, she yeah. took the sponsorship money instead. Good for her.
0: Yeah but it's only because you can because she's the most famous and the, right, b- the exactly. best one these days but yeah yeah okay we, we got worked up over sports well yeah it sounds like we could do an, a sports episode that's great it's good yeah, to know it sounds like somebody does know about sports huh yeah look at that Hmm. carly's proving all of us wrong which is great <laughs> we're gonna go watch a rangers game in dallas right
1: I mean we could.
0: You know you know why not? Because Texas is the only place where stadiums at are, are full capacity. And that's still a no no,
1: I think, for me. That's fair. But that is a great segue until into California social distancing politics. Woo <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
0: Woo, very exciting topic. I mean, but this is something that you saw. Tell us tell us tell
1: me about. <laughs> so I was just skimming through deadline and I just my eyes glazed over trying to understand the COVID, new updated COVID rules around activity or what is it? It's for activities and events which are different than indoor concerts. Mm -hmm. So activities and events cover movie theaters, museums, zoos, and aquariums and not indoor concerts. So indoor concerts have a different rule than regulation. And now it's just insane. So everything is mapped out differently to all of the tiers, which having not really spent that much time in California during COVID, the tiers are very confusing to me. But the biggest thing here is there's all these rules about having separate vaccinated and non-vaccinated sections, which is really interesting and difficult to police. So the the California mm-hmm. Department of Health has said that you will need to prove your vaccination status to be in the vaccinated sections. So not a vaccine passport, but just a photo of the vaccine card or the vaccine card itself suffices or a negative COVID test. But it's just, it's so convoluted. (laughs) Like, I just wanted to bring this up because none of these guidelines make any sense when you're looking at it in a way that's like actionable and it's constantly shifting goalposts.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see the like the anthropology and sociological uh, amazing words up like yeah. analysis of this year and decision making and how we conflated like the one we always talk about which is fascinating is like Disney like can't be open but indoor malls and indoor dining right. can yeah it's like what like it's fine if you want to close them or open them I guess but like a complete lack of um, what's the word being consistent Mm-hmm. Across thing, and I think yeah, what you were saying is like, it feels like they're confusing use cases. Like you should be able to boil these down to how close you are to somebody right. else and the action that you are doing, as opposed to everything indoors is the same. It's like, but is it though, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I mean, and a concert. Smart people. I don't know. I guess a concert makes sense because it is something where a lot of people are going to be even closer proximity and you know yelling and singing and whatever so it makes sense that that has different guidances and is definitely stressing like vaccinated people should probably be the ones to come to this and nothing else but it's weird it's just it's so convoluted with trying to make sense of this but I know, mean, I guess better this than just laissez-faire everything's open
0: <laughs> yeah I guess and I, I think connected to this was the, this is a minor point that Disneyland is reopening, mm-hmm. based on guidance from California, and this week people could try to make reservations. They have a similar. I talked about how it works in Orlando, where you need a ticket and then you need to get a reservation because attendance yeah. is capped. I don't remember at what level twenty five. I don't I even think know it's at what clear
1: right
0: now. now. And apparently, it was of course a complete shit show. Um, scarcity the place the happiest place on earth that had been closed for three days in the past 65 years has been now closed for i don't know 400 probably mm-hmm. days so people are crazy 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 to get back uh it supposedly only only open for california residents which again to policing is like i i get that as a rule of thumb this is the way that you don't get people from traveling but like I have a California driver's license. I'm technically a California resident. I'm not going, for the record. But like I follow vloggers from Florida, and like they're all going. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm happy for the jobs. Yay for the jobs.
1: I am too. I've also been sitting here trying to figure out what tier Orange County and Anaheim are, and. No combination of googling helped me reach that question, answer that question during the entirety of what you just said too. So (laughs) that that just just, shows that that just tracks with how convoluted this is. Yeah, no, reopening is good. Jobs are good. Um, I mean, at least thirty percent of people are vaccinated, so thirty percent of people should be able to go to that stuff. But are they saying it's only open for vaccinated? It, they, they have not said that but oh, okay maybe they should i don't know do fe- yeah. how do you feel about the vaccine passport thing
0: i don't know i was listening to the podcast from today explained i think from mm-hmm. vox i think in general i'm pro i don't like the that we're calling it a vaccine passport yeah, it's weird. Because like when we went to Stanford, they're like, "Well, you need to have these seven vaccinations, if not you can't live on campus." Yeah. So it's it's not like we don't have requirements in the world for the benefits of communities. Yeah. Especially on things. So when people is like, "Oh, but HIPAA, this is not HIPAA at all." HIPAA is about how medical providers manage your data so that it doesn't leak. Uh, so I do I do see the like the value of saying these type of activities are going to be open for the people that we know are safe yeah i don't like the again the name because i think it implies i don't know I mean, it's the same thing with like the going back to sports you saw how the baseball moved the all-star game away from atlanta because of the voting restriction us. Mm-hmm. and then all of the i mean people know you and i are on the left side of the political spectrum but people on the right start saying like oh MLB shouldn't have free will. It's like, guys, you've been fighting for years that Chick Fil A can, yeah. uh, you know, restrict giving birth controls to their employees because it's their right as a whatever First Amendment. And the point of private companies is that they can do whatever they want as long as they don't, uh, you know, infringe on social liberties and they can deny service based on whatever. And this just seems to be actually a good way of using that right. Um, but yeah, I haven't thought that much about it. How do you feel?
1: I mean, I'm I'm actually a card-carrying member of the ACLU. Don't ask me where my card is, but I I <laughs> do donate to the ACLU. I don't year. know. Then
0: it, I wouldn't say you are card-carrying. You're a card. I don't know where it is. Member of ACLU. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, I have a I'm a card misplaced member of the ACLU. Sorry, I'm living out of two suitcases for the last year. Please That's give fine. me some slack. But so therefore. Initially, I have like a gut, like weird pause about the data collection, or even like requiring everyone to get vaccinated. But at the same time, it is a public health crisis. We have decided that civil liberties can be suspended for the public health and public good, and constitutionally that's fine, and morally that's fine. But even then, this really isn't that. This is really a a way of making it so that. Public institutions help private institutions identify the proper customers and way to, to protect the American public. That's all this is. Right.
0: But that's I think that's the other thing that they were saying in the podcast, is that it's very unlikely that it's going to be a central one. Right, yeah. Is that maybe the way that it looks, just like my insurance knows that I got it, I think, because I put my name. So it's like my insurance company is going to have, you're going to have something from your insurance and you're going to have something from wherever you got it. And more than a vaccine passport, is just, it's similar to the vaccine Right? You go to Stanford and it's like, show me that you have your vaccine. Yeah. You go to your doctor and your doctor tells you. I think it's similar. I think the other the other side, which was interesting in the podcast, I would recommend it. It talks about this, I don't know how you call it, the profession, sociologist or something that says, you know, people say, I don't want to get a vaccine because it's freedom. yeah, And I don't want to say that if I have it or not because it's freedom. And then at the same time, uh, Disney can say it's freedom. I say I only let people that nah, have not seen. But he says that in the West, we have this... Specifically in the US, because Europe has a very different set of values of how they mm-hmm. think about things, I think, which is more community. But he talks... I don't remember how it was called. I'm going to mess this up. Like, that there is... If you think of freedom as actually freedom, it actually means that you can live the most fulfilling life that you can. And that actually means being alive. And that actually the, the, the biggest way of sharing freedom between all of us is making these choices for the greater wow. good. It's not only about, like, you can't be free if you're dead. And it's like a very pragmatic way of living, but like when you explain it in the, not in the negative way, but in the nice way of, like, freedom is you being the most human and living the most experiences and blah. <laughs> and then what does that mean? That means sometimes if there's a health crisis, we need to take one for the team. And if there is blah freedom is not it doesn't have to be an individual concept which i thought was interesting
1: that is an interesting concept and it's it's just it just goes back to the root problem of this whole thing is that people we've conclusively seen over and over again this year that people cannot make individual decisions about the health and safety of other people it's all very self-serving and whenever the the risk becomes something that you don't care about then you aren't making the choice you're you, people making risky choices for other people this whole year and it's very frustrating
0: yeah and i think yeah. this is the other set of values which i don't know enough about other countries if anyone else in another country like you know when we say we support lockdowns yeah or when i say you know people is like well what about jobs and what i say is like well i support a lockdown that also includes. Taking care for the people that right. are not going to have their jobs, right? That's kind of baked in, yeah. and that's also why when I think of healthcare and it's getting very political, right? I agree that healthcare everyone should have healthcare because having right. healthcare allows people to, like, right, you, like, how important is healthcare for you? And you're like that is just something on your on top of your head, and then if you're in the middle of a pandemic and then you lose your job, having to care about that. But even like if you ask me, hey, and you want to start a startup. Part of me would be like, well, but I'm not going to have health insurance. and I'm going to have to pay for it. Yeah. It's only a risk for people not to follow their dreams. But anyway, like there is this base layer of support that I think humans need to be the best versions of themselves. And mm-hmm. I don't think the U.S. Have, has it. Anyway, you asked me what I think about vaccine passports. <laughs> not that.
1: Well, to put a button on that. You, you said that one way that they could implement this is having all the insurance companies all handle it independently. That sounds like a nightmare, like just having thousands of different groups organize things independently in ways that don't well, communicate with each other. And But that is the problem with our healthcare system is that is the nightmare. Is right. just all these things trying to coordinate.
0: Yeah, but it's a similar way, I think, you know, when you would ask someone, why don't you want the federal government? It's because I don't want the federal government to know and it's similar i think to the vaccine records right your vaccine records are your doctor has it so maybe it's not that maybe it's another clear you know like the security company is trying to come up with something and i think it's going to look more like that than essential maybe each each state like california might have one i don't know but what's
1: is it any worse having well letting google know that i've been vaccinated versus letting the state of oklahoma know that i've been vaccinated Not really. Probably worse because the state of Oklahoma is not going to try and sell me ads about a vacation because I'm vaccinated now.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know what the state of Oklahoma thinks of vaccines in general, but anyway, let's start. Yeah, but that's (laughs) that's
1: that's another episode we will never make. So. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, okay.
0: So I think we have another topic to close this one out on something closer. Oh, our our
1: our favorite our favorite topic. This is a great topic to end our episode with when this has just been kind of a pessimistic rambly episode it's netflix everyone and Ooh. pessimism about netflix <laughs> well yeah. I, just,
0: I don't know if it's pessimism about okay netflix. i haven't read the we'll article
1: see. you're gonna you're gonna fill me in on what this yeah i actually don't know if it's
0: pessimism it's just interesting but uh for everyone that doesn't follow him entertainment strategy guy <laughs> very creative name follow him on twitter he has a great substack new- newsletter and he makes like very detailed kind of data-driven analysis of the industry, which is great. And this week, last week he had um, an article, an analysis called, is Netflix finally Failing the COVID-induced production slowdown? And what does it mean for the streaming wars? And basically I just find it interesting, I sent it to you earlier today, because it talks about how uh, April and March of this year have been the, the months where Netflix has had the least amount of originals in the past three years. It's still more than like 2017 and 16, but versus 19 and 20, it's significantly less. And it just talks about how um, Netflix producing its own shows and binging, getting back to our topic, our question from last week, impacts how a TV show gets produced and how, because when you're binging, if you think, you know, you have writing, pre-production, shooting, and post-production, when you're binging it, you have to wait for the last episode to be ready be- before you can s- show anything, right? Mm-hmm. TBD, you know, the Disney shows might be done before they start because of COVID and stuff like that. But kind of something that suddenly happened to Netflix is you have to stop, like, all the studios for a couple of months because of COVID. And then when you restart, it also takes them longer. And just something interesting that he talks about, The Crunch, is that it's not only that, that some things have been delayed but also that their licensing deals are also going to get delayed. Like they have Grey's Anatomy and that season got delayed by six months. And that also means it's going to be uh, late by a year, I think on Netflix now.
1: Wow.
0: And it does a little bit of a connection of how we've talked about how Netflix thrives on volume, right? Of of making sure everyone, every niche in their platform has something to watch. And then it also thrives on home runs, right? On Queens Gambit, Tiger Kings, Mm -hmm. the, uh, Uh, the crown and things like this and then suddenly if you are playing the volume game to find these home runs actually having less stuff hurts you and um, you know versus someone like Disney that they're like well I'm gonna make three shows but they're gonna be amazing and that's all I'm gonna do I'm not gonna do anything else and it's just different and you know he says that long term it's probably not gonna be an issue but it's just something interesting to see uh, kind of how it actually looks on the day day and the impact that mm-hmm. COVID had and could have, and yeah, that that, that was basically highly highly recommend to uh, to read. I will we'll link this one in the show notes and go we'll follow him on Twitter. If he ever wants to be in the podcast, we would love to have him, of course. But yeah, it's a good person. It's a good follow.
1: I mean, th- this analysis makes sense. It's nothing new to us. We're both on the same page that. But- the content slate on Netflix is dwindling for them, just based on everyone pulling the deals. NBC Universal's apparently rumored to pull out at some point. Sony just made the billion-dollar deal with Netflix, but that's got to come online. And Yeah, I I think they're at a point now where they're no longer spending the most amount of money to acquire things. I think Apple is outspending them on, like, a lot of stuff that apple really really wants Mm -hmm. not not stuff that apple's developing in-house netflix obviously has a a lot of great stuff being developed in-house from animation to three body problem to what have you but as far as the the actual distribution goes I, i think they're no longer the wealthiest people in the room and they're also increasingly spending on on cheaper things too just to flesh out the kind of flash in the pan reality content of it all
0: yeah and i think another point that he makes which i really like is you know how they say uh netflix has the best algorithm and they use the algorithm to learn what people want to watch and then they create one it's like well if that algorithm was good maybe the average of their content also would be good (laughs) which is not so yeah anyway it's one of those things that people sometimes give credit where there might be for some things Right, the discovery is yep. very important but then decide of oh they make decisions based on what you watch might not be as much and Carl stood up to get something from the bookshelf the aforementioned bookshelf what are you reading now?
1: so I just finished reading I'm going to get on an NSA list for this but uh, Edward Snowden's <laughs> biography permanent record which is just don't laughed because it's just a big picture of Edward Snowden's face Kind of looking there, sad. There...
0: He doesn't look like very excited that his book gets got published.
1: Well, this is the famous like <laughs> screen cap from the the video where he announced who he was. But I'm bringing this out because there was something in here that really just struck me when I was finishing it last night. And let me get to it. Sorry about this. This is a good point. I, I swear
0: <laughs> it's worth the wait.
1: So. I was really struck by this this point when I was reading it last night. So I'm just going to read from it. So this is from Permanent yep. Record. So who among us can predict the future? Who would dare to? The answer to the first question is no one, really. And the answer to the second is everyone, especially every government and business on the planet. This is what the data of ours is used for. Algorithms analyze it for patterns of established behavior in order to extrapolate behaviors to come, a type of digital prophecy that's only slightly more accurate than analog methods like palm reading. (laughs) Once you go digging into the actual technical mechanisms by which predictability is calculated, you come to understand that its science is, in fact, anti-scientific and fatally misnamed. Prediction is actually just manipulation. A website that tells you that because you like this book, you might also like books by James Clapper or Michael Hayden, both intelligence community uh, officials. That isn't offering an educated guess as much of a mechanism of subtle coercion. And I just, that was such a light bulb moment for me. Just that, yeah, as, as much as we, we tout the algorithm and, and tout the ability to, to do this, they're all systems still made by humans to... Push you towards the things that want, they want you to push to and i've definitely had that experience with netflix's algorithm i've talked about how they push the farm on me all the time uh there there's always like whatever flashy new netflix series is has just come out is in carousels where it doesn't belong it's really not an algorithm as much as it is like a bunch of loose connections to directors and genres that you like a bunch of stuff they're trying to push. And then ultimately I, they tout that they're producing everything based on this magical algorithm and just choosing what, what they like. And it's, it's really not that it's, it's just, Oh, we know that this market does well. We like kids in this age range. Uh, we need to make a movie with two Latino stars. Like we're going to, move from here. Mm-hmm. That's still something that they have to go out into normal Hollywood and find all the talent to do that and make it. They're just not magically like auto-populating it with content based on what they need. That's a totally yeah. different ballgame.
0: Yeah, that, that was a nice paragraph. When you got a uh, Edward Snowden book out of your bookshelf, I was like, where the f- Where the hell is this going to? <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, it's similar like for over the past couple of months I've been thinking about a lot about the, you know, the outcomes Racer and how they yeah. say that the, the the simplest answer is usually the explanation for something. But how it also applies to these things. Like when you're trying to make a decision on something, making something complex doesn't necessarily make it better. Like making it more variables doesn't necessarily make it better. And it's just interesting to see. Again, that's why I said this, this might not necessarily be anything against Netflix. It was just a point of how the way they do things Impacts mm-hmm. their operations on a day to day, which was interesting, but um, yeah, just one of those things that uh, keep us interested in the sector.
1: Nothing taught me that more that that your last point about Occam's razor more than getting an engineering degree. You really start learning like all the heuristics and thing to make things to make every project go a lot faster and just get to the quickest thing to get something done. My senior year. So I was chemical engineering. So we didn't have a, a lot to do with electronics engineering, but we had to take some basic classes in case somebody wanted to pass the fundamentals of engineering exam or something. So I they, was an
0: electronic engineer for the record. So you you that in my, in
1: my area. Couldn't remember if you were electrical or if you were computer engineering. So
0: yeah. okay, it, in Mexico, electronic, it's a mix of those two, I guess
1: got it so yeah that would be more like what we call computer engineering here where it's kind of a mix of hardware and you get some software too whereas electrical is guess. more guess pure systems of electrical yeah and high voltage stuff yeah. yeah but my my senior year we so we took a, a pretty quick course of exams that went through electronics and one of the things we did was electrical mechanical systems two or something and really all that was was teaching me about all the different parts of a all the different things that a robot can do, and then building out building projects using... Uh, what's that National Instruments software... Was it MATLAB? MATLAB. And I think it was MATLAB. I can't remember. MATLAB to control LEGO Mindstorms robots. Like, we were just programming with those. And we had this complicated final assignment, which was you have to make a robot that doesn't go out of a certain bounds from the wall that it's it's next to it can't go a certain distance away from it it has to go to the end sense a piece of tape turn around and come back' so very simple mm-hmm. that was that was very simple the problem was the wall in the classroom had had a lip on it mm-hmm. that was that would always mess with the sensor and they didn't know this it was just a lecture room but there wasn't an easy way to position the sensor without it getting reflected weird because there was a lip on the, the sideboard of the classroom. Mm-hmm. So everyone else spent, like, the entire weekend... Keep in mind, this is a bunch of freshmen and a bunch of senior chemical engineers. So it's a bunch of kids that really care and a bunch of kids that gave up caring months ago because it's the last month of their senior year.
0: Right. So,
1: all these other groups spent hours programming it, trying to accom- like uh, accommodate the, the reflection angle of, of how weird the sideboard is and how it was irregular and everything. What my team realized was, oh, if we make the servos run at full speed, we have a certain number of times it can get out of bounds bef- before we fail. So all we have to do is make this go as fast as possible, turn around and come back as fast as possible, and just kind of aim it straight when we put it down and hope it doesn't leave and that's just, that solves <laughs> the problem so we did that we were the first group to go the professor was like was mad at us that our our application was so simple everyone else was furious that they spent all weekend doing this and the four of us were just like done and it was first come first serve with who, who went and we just got to leave and it was the last day of class it was glorious
0: but yeah that's exactly the. But thing, that right? was good engineering. Yeah, if you have a set of parameters and you can solve it, you don't have to solve it in the way that you think the problem exists, right? There are other yeah. ways to do that.
1: Right. Like maybe you should have given us better a better environment and we would have written a better program. But in this right. case, it needs two lines of code. <laughs> it works just fine. <laughs> well done.
0: Proud of you. That's pretty good. I need to come up with some stories for my engineering times
1: that's that's the other patreon content is is a exactly. really lame engineering project stories from our past
0: stories from our college time my college days
1: that and um, the, what was our what, oh it's bookshelves with Aton and carl is our bookshelves with Ethan and carl, yeah
0: we're <laughs> we actually your bookshelf provided a great point thanks to whether was no, so, snow then so very
1: very true i'm i'll take happy it. that i had it back there
0: <laughs> yeah so this was our kind of a brown bag episode uh, things we saw during the week and bookshelves and I guess political and socioeconomic points of views on vaccine passports did you have any Anyways,
1: to close this out
0: I had a very well, quick you, one
1: I got you yeah ask me and I'll, I'll think of one yeah
0: cool I got one from our friend Alex who already asked a couple before and he was just wondering and I think we've talked about this a little bit but how do we see you know Prices are going up, there is a ton of streaming now, Mm -hmm. things are getting international, and then, especially in developing countries, there is going to be a cost crunch. How do we feel about these things leading to piracy? And is that going to be an issue?
1: I think in countries where it is more difficult to stream legally either through ability to pay or willingness to pay there certainly will be piracy i've i've heard from as i've made international friends over the year i know so many people that learned english through just watching american pop culture and you have to pirate or stream illegally most of that pop culture or you did a decade ago and that that's exactly what's going to happen here if you don't provide people with opportunities to watch things legally they have no recourse but to turn to that. Like I was uh, trying to watch this Elaine May movie, the heartbreak kid that uh, blank checks covering Elaine May. Everyone's losing their minds about Elaine May right now. It's just the, the month of Elaine May. And with the, you can't find it legally anywhere. Everything's out of print. There aren't that many copies of the DVD in circulation at libraries to buy a new copy costs 80 bucks. Or you can just find it on YouTube where some nice, diligent person keeps uploading it. So it's like, I'm going to just watch it on here. And this is, by the way, because a pharmaceutical... So Bristol-Myers Squibb technically owns the rights to this and like 20 other movies and just won't release them. Because Mm -hmm. they bought them. Back to our point a few weeks ago about... (laughs) Or last week about Coca-Cola owning Sony. Bristol-Myers Squibb also owned something at at some point. Insanity. But... Yeah, I think piracy will absolutely go up. But that's, I think, on the onus for the streaming providers to figure out ways to provide ways to easily and legally pay for this. Look at the iTunes (laughs) store. That's the big example. Once iTunes came out, Napster and everything dropped tremendously, not because of the lawsuits and things actually shutting them down legally, but piracy went down because people could buy it easily, digitally.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think in my mind, kind of when he asked me, I I raised. Replied a little bit with that. I think the other side of me was we've talked about how we are big on AVOD and we -hmm. think that's going to be very important, and that actually is going to take care of things. And then the other thing is that that I was just thinking about this. I'm a believer in like markets, right? There is a part of me that believes in Mm -hmm. finding the optimal, and I think especially now in this streaming service where we've solved distribution and there isn't really a cost distribution. I think decision-making is made with that in mind. Like, it's kind of baked in into how decision-making works. And, you know, you could go to Disney. Netflix is a perfect case. They keep saying that they're going to crack on password sharing. And it's been, what, 12 years? Like, if they, if, if you know, and this was different, of course, you know, with BHS, I remember there was in Mexico an ad campaign, which was like uh, two kids were watching a movie. And it was you could tell that it was like pirated, mm-hmm. and then the the kid would turn to the like the, imagine I'm in your house and this is your VHS. I would turn to you and I would be like, your your thing is piracy, and then you go to, you would go to your dad and you would say like, I have a pirate dad, because my dad got a pirate version of this. So he's like, you don't like having a pirate dad, so don't do piracy or something like that. <laughs> and at that point again, because distribution was so difficult. Right, And you were saying like access was complicated. I could see that. Once the access becomes simpler, I think between that and kind of the market deciding for things makes sense. And I think we, we saw it. Uh, it was amazing to see Barry Jenkins was in Mexico and he took a picture with Moonlight, a bootleg version of Moonlight. And it's like, you know, is Moonlight being available in Mexico bad? Sure. Is anyone that is buying that one version illegally was going to pay to watch moonlight no so i'm not saying it shouldn't it shouldn't exist but it should exist but i'm just saying it's kind of part of the market part of the reality
1: it's there and i agree with you that right. we're anyway
0: going in the right direction
1: yeah i mean piracy there will always be people that don't want to pay for content and it is on the market and on the companies that own the content to provide it in a way that is affordable accessible and just easy to use and i think once people once that happens people will pay for the content because it is easier than breaking the law which we uh, didn't do
0: today because you explained your marital
1: license which is great very true and me watching something on youtube that is out of print it's not against the law for me to watch something on youtube i'm not distributing it i'm just the end user (laughs) but the the American version of the, the campaign Well, not of the campaign But the big anti-piracy thing in the US Was this Very 2000s Like, look at this Look at this graphic I just, I'm sending you a link So this used to play in front of like DVDs And everything, and it was just this Very like 2000s music video thing Of like, somebody saying You wouldn't steal a car, oh, so why I remember. So why would you start a DVD? Yeah, But that, that font is iconically bad and i'll just just leave it to to Mindy Kaling has a stand up set where she's like well i would steal a car if all i had to do to steal a car was like touch it and i had another copy of the car and i could give all of my friends a car and the original person didn't lose their car i like it she's like i'd probably steal the car i don't really care about like ford getting it. The... it's great so, AUA for you. I know neither of us are huge gamers, but we're both, like, game aware. So, what would you want a adaptation of as far as a video game?
0: My favorite game after Uncharted is God of War. I could see that happening. It's kind of similar to... It's kind of a mix of, you know, mm-hmm. myths, Greek myths and... Witcher type stuff. So I don't feel there is some like Horizons Zero Dawn. I played it for like a couple of minutes and I watched a ton of videos. It's probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever watched. That seems like something that could really be um, there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I know that I want to, but I can't imagine that there isn't going to be a Fortnite movie in the next couple of years. Uh, I wish, I wish Nintendo, outside of Pokemon, would do more. I like the brand. I like what they've done in the last couple of years and how they've distanced themselves from this. Everything has to be lifelike. I do, like too. Like, they capture the joy of, I don't know, animation. I wish there was more things from them. What about you?
1: I kind of agree, generally. I would love to see what Nintendo does. I've been very impressed with how they've bad apps on the on the iphone that have been that have felt like nintendo apps despite being iphone apps like obviously they're not great AAA games but it's it's like a, a nice kind of mix of mediums and and shows that they can work mm-hmm. outside of that i'd love to see some of their stuff get adapted to films or like metroid or, or zelda like it'd be fun i i think for me i would i would love a really great think made in the Half Life universe, whether it's Portal or Half Life or both, I think it's a really rich and interesting universe. It's it's so the gameplay is so fun with all the the weird physics guns they have in there. That'd be great. I'm really surprised that there hasn't been anything out of Bioshock that's just seems like it's so cinematic to begin with that it seems like it could be easy. But I think for me it would be dead yeah, between the two of those. Well. I think that's all i have this week wait okay i do have one other thing i wanted to talk about
0: oh my god you're gonna break our average of 120 go for it
1: did you see the alternate title for batman v superman
0: yes i was gonna ask you positive or negative let's do that and we can talk more about it next week
1: we, we're we going to react positively or negatively, but not say what this, the title is on here? Uh,
0: no, 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 no. Say it, of course. Like, they just spend the note on it, I mean.
1: Okay. So, the original title was, or the alternate title was Son of Sun and Night of Night.
0: With an asterisk that says, Zack Snyder discovers homophones.
1: Oh, <laughs> my God. Son of Sun yeah. and Night of Night. Incredible. It's that's cool. Like, it's got like two Pokemon I mean, variants. It is, but it was fine. I mean,. I didn't hate it. sounds like you didn't you did hate it. Oh, I, I didn't hate it. I just think he's a very silly boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. But I mean, that makes sense.
1: Uh, well, okay. On that note, I'm officially done. I have nothing else to say this week.
0: No, perfect. Thanks, everyone, for uh, coming to have dinner with us, I guess, and coming to our our conversations. And we'll, we'll, we'll see you next week to talk Oscars and to see how everything went.
1: Yeah, catch you then.